Hello everyone and welcome to the first episode of Balancing Business and Babies. My name is Lucy and I just wanted to start this podcast episode with a little bit of an introduction about me, who I am and why I'm talking to you. So yeah, just to jump right into it then, I am 35 years old and I became a mum when I was 32. I have struggled with infertility for over 10 years. I first had problems when I was diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome. When I was diagnosed with the PCOS, I had had numerous issues, including really irregular bleeding and pain and just feeling crap all the time. Most of the time it felt like my uterus was on fire. So I went to the GP numerous times and was bypassed multiple times. I was told that it was, you know, just irregular bleeding. Some women have it. And eventually it got so bad that I actually ended up in hospital. I was admitted to A&E when I was about 18. I had suddenly developed excruciating pain in my lower left-hand side and when I was taken up to A&E in the ambulance I started hemorrhaging and it turned out that one of the cysts had actually ruptured which was causing the problem but obviously they didn't realise it was a cyst at the time. So when I was diagnosed with PCOS they told me that you know you can get pregnant but it is unlikely. I had more tests done including a dye test which is essentially where they inject a radioactive dye up you (laughs) there is no other nice way of putting that so they put a dye up your fairy garden and they see whether everything is flowing (laughs) where it should be and there were no issues nothing came back on that test So I was told that, you know, you can keep trying, but essentially I have got a, what I call a moniker, because I believe it was mentioned in Friends once, an inhospitable environment, which sounds lovely. (laughs) So it was, you know, sort of, I I kind of wrote it off that I was ever going to get pregnant. And yeah, when I was 30-ish, I reconnected with my long-lost love. We were together originally when I was a teenager, but being young and in love, it didn't really work out. Um, And we were together for two years, but we separated when I was 17, 18, and we had a good 20-plus years of not being together. But we got back in touch and it was as if we'd never been apart. And within six months of getting back together, I got pregnant. And it was absolutely amazing. But I was also really terrified, like really shit scared that I was going to lose the baby. I thought that, you know, this this can't possibly be happening. I, I've been told that I'm not going to get pregnant. I've got so many other health issues as well. We had early pregnancy tests, not tests, pregnancy scans, just to check on it, the baby. We had one at seven weeks, I think, early pregnancy privately. And then we had one, which was our gender reveal one, again, privately. 
which I think was about 11 weeks, I think. And we found out we were going to be having a little boy, which was fantastic. It was what I wanted. I would have been happy either way, but I think all parents have a, a secret kind of, you know, deep down they they want either a boy or a girl. And boy was kind of what I really wanted at the time. So we found out we were having a little boy and then about three months into my pregnancy, I'd had to go and have some tests done and obviously you have to have your diabetes check and yada, 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 all the other tests that you have to have done in pregnancy. And I was told that I had gestational diabetes just to top off the other shit that was going on. So because I was already classified as high risk pregnancy, because I have autoimmune diseases, I had to have my thyroid removed when I was about 18. So I was already under consultant care. But being high risk wiped out any option of a birth plan that I wanted and I'm not fussy. I'd said to them at my midwife appointment, not that I got many of them, but I will go into why I didn't in a minute. But I had sort of had this vision in my head that all I wanted for my birthing plan was I was I was quite happy to have all the drugs. They could give me whatever they wanted as long as the baby got there okay and safely I was happy. But I really wanted a water birth and because I was high risk and I was under consultant care, I was told that that was the one thing I was not allowed to have, which was just devastating, actually, because it was it was really the only thing that I'd actually wanted in my birth plan. I'm not like I say, I'm not a fussy cow. I just that was all I wanted. So I didn't get my uh, my ideal sort of uh, birthing situation. But, um, you know, my diabetes, obviously, my health came first and, and obviously my baby's health as well. And then I was put... Obviously, with the gestational diabetes, I was, you know, told it was diet controlled and, you know, just do what you need to do. But it was it was never controlled. And I, I think that was obviously partly, in fact, to the fact that I've got autoimmune diseases and, and obviously my body wasn't reacting very well. So I think around six months of my pregnancy, I had to go on insulin injections, which were just fucking horrific. You're injecting insulin into... You know, I, I feel so desperately sorry for people that have to do this and I, I really don't want to make it sound like a complaint about it because I did only have to do it, fortunately, whilst I was pregnant for those few months. So I dread to think what it's like to actually have to do it every single day. I can only sympathise hugely with people that have to do it every single day of their lives because it, it was awful. The first couple of days, probably actually the first couple of weeks, it wasn't too bad, but Eventually, my skin started to bruise. I, I bruised like a peach. I, I literally only have to walk into a table and I end up with like some sort of weird hematoma on my leg. So I bruised really easily and injecting myself daily. And I was having to do, if I remember rightly, I was having to do one before my breakfast, one after my breakfast, one before my dinner, one after my dinner and one before tea and after tea. So I was having to do like five or six injections a day and then obviously if I was having spikes in between as well as well of, of the insulin I was having to do that as well so sometimes it could go up in in the amount of injections I was having to do and eventually I was just piercing into bruised skin which was just vile so yeah the kind of after the initial kind of stage of that had kind of gone I then 
I then developed, I think they've changed the name of it now to PGP, but when I was diagnosed with it, it was called SPD or symphonic pubic dysfunction. I don't think that's the right word, but Google it. (laughs) SPD, basically your hip joints, your hip joints kind of become a little bit too mobile and it's kind of generally in the like mid to later stages of pregnancy. But it put me on crutches, which, you know, when you've got a eight, nine month bump and you're walking around on crutches just isn't great. I had to have water therapy, hydrotherapy, just to be able to kind of cope with it because it was it was really uncomfortable. And then March, I think, yeah, March of 2020 will probably ring a bell for a lot of people. So we'd obviously been having in the world niggling here and there of a virus going around. And yeah, I was I was nine months pregnant uh, when we went into, well, eight, nine months pregnant. When we went into the first lockdown, so I think we went into lockdown in the UK on the 28th of March 2020. And I was taken in to be induced on the 3rd of April, I think, 2nd or 3rd of April 2020. So I was very, very well into my pregnancy when we went into lockdown. But obviously, because we'd had the nigglings of the virus and people prior to being in lockdown, a lot of my appointments had stopped or I wasn't getting midwife care. I, I wasn't getting any of the kind of pre-appointments. I had none of the like parenting groups, I think, that you can go to. My partner has got a, a child from a previous my partner, my husband, for fuck's sake. We only got married in April, so I'm still not used to saying husband. My husband has got a child from a previous relationship. She's nine. And when he his ex and he were having their baby they got all these you know offers of going to like parenting groups and they could go and they could sit on I'm going to be really American now because I don't know the term for it in England but I know that they have a Lamar's class in America I don't know whether that's what they call it in England but I think we have something as similar to that as shocking that I know more facts about America than I do about my own country um <laughs> so I had none of these, anyway, I'm waffling. I had none of these groups anyway because of this virus that was going around. And then obviously it was, you know, we were we were put into lockdown in March. I was induced on the 2nd or 3rd of April and my husband, Andy, was not allowed to come with me. My mum wasn't allowed to come with me. I had to go on my own. And it's terrifying for any woman and... People that haven't had a lockdown baby don't realise what it was like going into hospital on your own when you're, you know, especially for your first baby as well, when you don't know what to expect. Like I say, I was already high risk, so that was that was another factor in it, and, and I was terrified. I was so worried that something was going to happen or that I was going to have the baby and there was not going to be anyone there. And my husband, Andy, was allowed to come up for... I suppose as a saving grace, he was allowed to come up for an hour a day, every day that I was in. I was in for just over a week, which made no fucking sense to me at all whatsoever. If In my head, I'm not a scientist, but if he got COVID, surely it would have made more sense to just say he can't come up. 
because they weren't testing him on the door. So he was allowed to come up for an hour a day, come into my room, see me, and then go home and potentially either he's just walked in with the virus or he's just gone home, caught the virus, and then come back up the following day with the virus. So it just it would have made more sense to me for them to say, right, well, he can he can come, but he's got to stay for the entire week or duration that you're in the hospital to make sure that we don't bring any viruses in. Or, you know, put a full ban on it. I'm glad they didn't, but put a full ban on it and say that he can't come up at all because there's a potential for him bringing a virus into the hospital. Anyway, they that's what they decided to do. I'm sure there was a logic there somewhere for them doing that. I don't know what it is yet, though. So he came up for an hour a day every day to see me. My little boy was born on the 10th of April by emergency C-section. It was due to failure to progress, basically. I'd been in labour, active labour, which I think is anything over four centimetres. I never actually got to four centimetres, but because they'd manually broken my waters, which, trigger warning, if you've not had a baby or you're thinking of having a baby or you're pregnant I apologize now I really don't mean to scare you but for me anyway having my waters broken I wasn't offered any gas and air I wasn't offered any drugs nothing at this stage they two midwives tried to pop my waters with their finger and I was literally screaming in in pain I again I apologize if you are pregnant i I hopefully you don't get any problems but for me it was excruciating and eventually a consultant came around because it was so painful I said I'm, I'm so sorry you can't do that again I'm not going to let you do that again I, I just wanted to kick them off me a consultant came around and she said oh my god sweetheart haven't you had any gas and air didn't they offer you any gas and air to do it with I said no no well she gave me a couple of puffs on the gas and air stuck a long thin sort of I'm going to call it a poking device. I don't really, it was like a hook, I think. A long, thin poking device up me to pop my waters manually. And I didn't feel that at all then. But having it done by the midwives was was terrifying and, and horrible. And not something I wish to repeat. So once my waters had been broken, I was then classed as inactive labour. And once I was in active labour, they did say to me then that Andy could come up and he was allowed to be with me. But I'd been going at it then for whilst I was in active labour, I think a ridiculous amount of hours. And there's so many, there's only so many hours once you've gone into active labour that you can stay in labour for until it becomes dangerous to baby because obviously the waters are then gone. And I'd had at this point, I'd had a concoction of drugs. I was completely off my fucking face. I was literally, it was quite weird actually because I, I wish I hadn't been, but at the time it was bizarre. I had like a really weird out-of-body experience. I imagined in my head that I could hear my mum talking to me and my mum wasn't even in the hospital. At one point I stuck my hands up in the air. I don't know if I said anything. Andy's been quite coy about it and not told me anything. <laughs> But he said that I did do quite a few embarrassing things when I was under the influence of the drugs. But I do vividly remember things like moving around in the room. So the table and the bed became in different places at one point. 
And then I could hear my mum talking to me and my like really vividly heard my mum saying, Oh my god, the baby's here. <laughs> I hadn't even <laughs> I hadn't even started pushing nothing. So the baby definitely wasn't there and my mum definitely wasn't in the hospital. And yeah, in between this like massive kind of trip that I was having, I sort of stuck my hands up in the air and I think I went, Wee or it's here or something. <laughs> So, but I had had a concoction. I'd, I'd had the gas in air, which is amazing. I think they should prescribe it on the NHS. Gas in air, which I wouldn't let go. They kept trying to take it off me and I wouldn't let it go. I also had a pethidine injection, which just made me feel a bit woozy. Didn't really do anything, I don't think. But that combined with the gas in air and the, I had an epidural as well at one point. I had a bleed out of my spine because they cocked it up the first time they did it. They let a trainee do it which I didn't know at the time and he went into the wrong place in my spine and I started to have a bleed out of my spine so another sort of senior consultant came in and he had to redo my epidural because I'd only gone numb on the one side I could feel everything on one side and nothing on the other and then yeah started hemorrhaging out of my back which is not great probably another reason why I've got chronic back pain now and yeah, every time I turned over, I was obviously still on my back on the bed at this point. My son's heart rate started to drop. They tried at one point, I remember looking down and there was probably about five, six people stood looking up my <laughs> up my front bottom. And they tried to put a little clip, which I believe they they can put like a little heart rate monitor on the baby's head I don't know how that works they put a little heart rate monitor on the baby's head while he's still in me but they couldn't quite get where they needed to without causing problems and his heart rate was dropping even more so eventually they sort of said look I think you've been doing this enough and we we think that the cord is now wrapped around your baby's neck and it's also wrapped around his torso so we need to get you in for an emergency C-section. I was not bothered about this at that point because I just thought even if I did have the end, uh, like wanted to push, I I physically couldn't do it at that point. It just, I knew I didn't have the energy in me. I'd, I'd been going at it for too long and I was exhausted. So I got rushed down into the theatre because I'd already had the epidural. I was obviously already numb. So it was really quick. I have to give them props for that within five minutes. Andy had been gowned up as well, so he was allowed to come in with me. The anaesthetist stood behind my head and then he said to us, what songs do you like to play? And I believe that my son was born to a Spice Girls song, actually. <laughs> I think my husband had sort of jokingly said Spice Girls or something. Yeah, my husband likes the Spice Girls. Don't ask. So I think the Spice Girls might have been playing or some form of 90s song when my son was actually born. And they pulled him out of my stomach. I obviously couldn't see anything. My husband saw everything, but he's a butcher, so he's kind of used to you know blood and gore. Wasn't phased at all. But he, <laughs> I remember him saying to me as soon as they pulled my son out, he said, guy's got a pair of balls on him, hasn't he? Like really is that really the first I, I mean obviously I can't do anything about it now but that's the first memory I've got of you know not he's healthy or he's gorgeous or he's a he's you know he's beautiful <laughs> no he's got a pair of balls on him so 
they obviously took uh son away they did all their little checks on him and then they brought him back over to me while they were still stitching me up and and sort of sorting me out they gave him to my husband first so he could have a, a love and a cuddle and then we were taken to recovery and i was given 45 minutes with andy and our son before andy was kicked out of the hospital and he wasn't allowed to come back then until we went home. So our son was born on Friday, the 10th of April, and we weren't allowed out of the hospital until Sunday um, And because of the C-section. And Andy wasn't allowed to be there, so he'd had 45 minutes with his son and was kicked out at, like, midnight, you know, just after he's had a baby boy. It was It was awful, and I was left there alone in the hospital with this newborn baby that, you know, I didn't really know what I was doing and I was in pain. And the midwife, I remember the first night that I was in there with with Jacob, our son, a midwife popped her head through the door. She didn't actually come into the room. She just popped her head around the door and she said, are you okay? And I said, well, no, not really. I said, I need to go to the toilet and, and he needs feeding and changing and you know I could do with a little bit of help I don't really know what I'm doing my bag is that side of the room you know Jacob's right next to me I can't get out of bed you know we're talking like literally minutes after I've had a c-section and she said I'm so sorry she said I just wanted to come in and apologize she said normally we would come in and offer to put the baby in the nursery for the night or for us to at least have a, you know, a little bit of a cuddle with him ourselves. She said, that's why we became midwives. It's because we like to, you know, we like to get to know the babies as well and have a bit of a cuddle with them. It would give you some time to have a rest and sleep so that you can kind of recover a little bit. She said, I'm not allowed to come in. I'm not allowed to touch the baby. I'm not allowed to touch you and I'm not allowed to help unless it's in an emergency situation. She says, so I'm really sorry. She said, you are just going to have to deal with it, basically. So I was then literally just left on my own in the room. I had to get myself out of bed as best as I could, try to go to the toilet, which was obviously across the the bay, across the other side of the, the room, worrying that, you know, I'm leaving Jacob alone. So I tried to wheel the plastic kind of crib that they have along with me so that I could sort of leave him by the door of the toilet so that I could always see where he is and you know if he needed me and then I had to basically go to the toilet on my own I had to get up every time he woke up which as we know babies do frequently so I basically didn't sleep for the first 48 hours because I was just left on my own in the room so, yeah, not the wonderful sort of pregnancy story and birthing story that I wanted, but saving grace is that Jacob was born completely healthy. He was a lot smaller than they told me. They were expecting him to be over nine pounds, but he came out at six pound 11 ounces. So they got their measurements massively wrong. But he was healthy, he was adorable, and yeah, that's kind of my pregnancy and birth stories. So I just wanted to kind of give you all a little bit of a taster about the podcast. And yeah, I've got some amazing, amazing mums coming on the show and amazing parents, I should say. I've got dads as well and 
not just parents. I've got some grandparents that are due to come on and tell me their experiences. But it's a podcast about, you know, balancing work and babies. But I wanted to start the show and start the podcast just off with my birthing story and my pregnancy story. So I think that's a good place to start. So, yeah, tune in next time for the next episode on balancing business and babies. See you soon.